and welcome to episode number 187, the week seven Megapod, Matt Brown, Steven Anders, Brad Allen. If you want to follow those guys on the Twitter machine and you should, it's absolutely free at Brad Allen NFL at Steven Anders one. I am at Matt Brown M2 guys. I do not want to rain on this parade, but this week is the stink. I don't care what anybody says this week is the stink. Brad, when you kind of look up and down the card here, did the plays that came, were you, were you searching for plays? Were the plays that you ended up making this week? Did they naturally fall on you? How do you feel? Maybe you're a little bit more rosy about this week than I am. Uh, no, I mean, the uh, the spreads kind of tell you what sort of week it is with multiple double-digit favorites, which usually makes it a little bit more difficult. I think you've, you've got to have some kind of number base to start with that, whether that's power rankings from somewhere. But, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to handicap a 15-point favorite compared to a pick'em, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. Um, it's, a, it's a rough week, Stephen. I don't know. I mean, I know you ended up with some... Some bets here we'll talk about a little bit later, but you know, as you looked at the card up and down, was it uh, was it as difficult for you as it was for me? It was, yeah, the most difficult week I've had so far. And what I wound up doing is landing on some some teasers here that we'll talk about as we go on. But I mean, when the Houston Texans find the top of your card in terms <laughs> of straight bets, man, it is a strange, strange week. So we'll get into it. But this this was tough. This is, you know, we've joked about how much I've bet on and how many games I've bet in previous weeks. Yeah, I might only have one straight bet this week. So if that tells you anything. So let's kick things off here, guys. Kansas City Chiefs, Tennessee Titans, Chiefs on the road at the Titans. They are five and a half point favorites, a 57 and a half or 58 total in this one. The big news here looks like Julio Jones is not going to be a go for the Titans yet again. Of course, we saw the scary injury with Taylor Lewan this past week with the Titans as well. On the Chiefs side of things, actually looks like it's trending upward. We did see. Um, we, we did see a couple of the defensive players that have missed the last couple of weeks, at least practice in a limited fashion on Wednesday. So that seems to be heading in the right direction for them in this one. Um, listen, if we look at the advanced metrics, which is what we do a ton on here, it's the same story over and over again with this Chiefs team. They're still at the top of the league when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. They're still at the bottom of the league when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. That said... And uh, Brad, I'll start with with you on this one because uh, you do have a bet in on this game. You know, look if the if the Chiefs fa- figured something out on defense last week, they did at least play a little bit better. Now, look, yes, it was against a lowly Washington football team. That being said, it did look like maybe they had figured something out just a little bit. And look, this team is so good on offense; they don't have to have a good defense. They just need a middling defense and they're going to be fine. Quit turning the ball over. Chiefs are going to be fine. How do you see this one right now? Chiefs heading to Tennessee, five and a half point favorites. Yeah, I mean, that Washington game kind of showed us a little bit about defensive numbers, doesn't it? Like after a after a tough run of opposing offenses where they got shredded every week, they play a, a bad offense and suddenly they give up 13 points and, you know, people think they're a little bit fixed. Um, so, yeah, we said last week that it's probably not the very worst defense in the NFL. Um, you know, they, they moved a few things around. They they benched Sorensen, which I think everyone everyone agreed was needed. So they're, they're trying some things and, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's why no one's ever as bad as they look. 
on the offensive side of the ball, they're still the best offense in the league. They've they're turning they've turned the ball over on like nearly a quarter of their drives, but they still lead the league in points per drive three point three point two four points per drive. Um, you know they're one or two in all, all the key metrics, early down success rate, everything. So. Right, they're going up against the Titans defense this week that was already 28th in defensive DVOA, lost their top two corners on Monday night. Um, and I, I just don't see any way they stop them, really. Like, I, I, ha, Tell me how the Chiefs don't score 40. Like, what's the, what's the, what's the good side of this for the Tennessee defense? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you here. I mean, listen... Uh, Stephen, when I'm looking at this, the Tennessee defense are, is really right there with the Chiefs as far as the bottom of the league in most of these categories that we look at. And, and you know, listen, they're, they're early down EPA, 28th in the league, points per play, 25th in the league. And now they're going up against, you know, arguably, if not the best offense. I know Cowboys fans will have something to say about that, but um, definitely right up there as far as offenses in the league. I think that the Chiefs run this thing up and down the field over and over and over again. I understand why the total has crept as high as it has. I do get that, but um, I don't know if I want to play just a straight total. I think I do like Brad's angle, maybe just a Chiefs team total. Yeah, especially considering the Titans are battling cornerback injuries here this week. They're, they lost what I believe is their second cornerback this week as well. So the kind of the worst team possible to to play after having that situation. So uh, combine that with what the Chiefs are have done all season on offense. It's just a bad combo. And, you know, the public crowd out there might say, well, the Titans look better. They just beat the Bills last week. Well, they can thank their their turf for that mostly, right? I mean, they Josh Allen slipped at the end of the game. That's why they, they won the game. I mean, you're going to convert that fourth to one pretty much most of the time. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you guys on the Chiefs. I think this is a, a really beatable defense for them. Overall, I'm curious if it was real or a mirage for their defense last week because we have spoken on this podcast multiple times about how just bad Taylor Heineke is. And I'm not taking too much away from them slowing him down in the second half last week. And we're getting a spread here that is essentially the same as what the Chiefs faced last week against a a much more legitimate opponent. So I don't like that Julio Jones is out, but you know, if if we can get a live line here of of maybe over a touchdown, which I think is you know always possible when it's a Chiefs game, I, I might consider that. I mean, I'm not sure how you can justify the Chiefs having the same spread on the road against the Tennessee Titans as they did the Washington football team just a week ago. I'm also going to be looking maybe uh, to pair up this Chiefs team in just a money line parlay. I haven't really found a partner yet for that. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping that that makes my card, hoping that something makes sense for me. So I'll be uh, kind of scanning as well. I think they win this game. I think the Chiefs are going to turn this thing around just a little bit here. Um, again, don't have to be the best defense in the league. They don't even have to be a good defense. They just need to be a serviceable defense for this team to get back to their winning ways. And again, and again, quit turning the ball over. They're going to do both of those things. And uh, this Tennessee team's not going to be able to keep up. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking look for a money line partner for the chiefs as well this week, New York football jets and the new England Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are seven point home favorites with a total of 42 and a half or 43 do a little bit of shopping around Steven. Um, this Patriots team is right in that teaser range here. It's a low total game. 
You could get them down to a point, point and a half, depending on where you get this thing. Do you feel comfortable in the Patriots to make them a teaser leg for you this week? I do. And I think the only downside to this is the fact that the Jets have rest advantage. They're coming off a bye, so there's always that possibility that Zach Wilson figures it out. But he's still going to be going against Bill Belichick, albeit the second time. And and Bill's going to throw some complex defenses at him. But other than that, there's a lot to like here as a Patriots teaser leg. You're getting them through the seven, through the three. I teased them at at minus one. It looks like the line is going to go to seven and a half, which would make it the perfect, you know, best practices teaser legs. So um, I had no problem just taking it now and getting the minus one. Interesting to me that this line is where it's at. Week two at the Jets, the market had New England rated as a six and a half, seven point favorite on a neutral field. And all these weeks have gone by and we have these results. And this week's line is basically saying the same thing. Six and a half, uh, actually less. I mean, they're a seven point favorite at home. So they're telling you that they'd be a five and a half, six point favorite on a neutral field. I would have went the other way with it. I mean, this is a team in the New England Patriots that has looked steadily improved other than a week where they lost their entire offensive line in Houston. But that aside, they've looked very difficult against the Dallas Cowboys, very for formidable against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we're getting a line that's cheaper than it was in week two. So that's interesting to me. I think that's gone the wrong way. Uh, When the Jets have the ball, they're bottom five in like 12 different statistics. I mean, this, this offense has not done anything to give you confidence. They are the worst team overall in drop back EPA by a pretty wide margin. So Zach Wilson hasn't shown much yet. And this New England defense is above average in, in DVOA. And on the other side of the ball, Mac Jones Again, steadily improving. Seven yards per attempt in three straight games, 95-plus passer rating in three straight games against the Jets defense that's 30th in in PFF grade. So um, this, to me, fits the mold quite nicely for a teaser leg for the Patriots. Brad, we do have the Jets looking like they are going to be as healthy as they have been since the beginning of the year. Only... Tyler Croft at tight end and CJ Mosley at linebacker didn't practice for them. Everybody else um, was back for the Jets this week. So at least you have that going for you. And we do have the typical laundry list of injuries that the Patriots will be at least dealing with throughout the course of the week. Several defensive players, a couple of defensive tackles, a couple of linebackers, all either DNPs or limited practices and things like that. So stuff we'll certainly be monitoring here along the way with that. But again, we're sitting with a touchdown home favorite here with Belichick going up against uh, going up against Zach Wilson for the second time. We saw what happened the first time around. They were able to beat them pretty handily. Yeah, it's, I, I couldn't get much of a feel for this game at all because um, I, I kind of mm-hmm. want to bet against mo- both teams most weeks. Um, they both had very easy <laughs> schedules yeah. on de- on defense. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think both defenses are probably look better than they actually are. Um, but I, I just both offenses are terrible as well. So I don't know. If I had to bet one of the four main things, I, I, w- I would probably go under 42 and a half or so. Um, just, you know, just because Belichick, Belichick, rookie quarterback, and second time seeing each other in, in quick succession generally favors the defense, but just not a game I had much feel for at all. 
Yeah, um, just to kind of back up what you're saying here, the Jets dead last offense DVOA, 29th according to Pro Football Focus, New England 23rd DVOA. PFF likes them a little bit better at 15, but if you look at the early down stuff, um, no good for either one of these teams. Jets early down success 29th in the league, early down EPA 31st in the league in the points per play. Uh, 32nd in the league. If you flip it over to the to the Patriots side of things, not much better. Early down success, 21st in the league. Early down EPA, 29th in the league. And then points per play, 22nd in the league. So neither one of these offenses are any good. And if you look at New England, they just don't have a ton of playmakers either. That said, I do believe that that defense can do just enough to kind of limit this uh, this Jets team to where they don't get beat outright here. As a teaser leg, Stephen, I am also with you here on this listen get them down to a point basically getting them to where they just have to win the game I do think that New England is a better team despite the fact that I'm not high on either one of these teams I don't like either one of these teams but if you're telling me who's going to win the game who can I bet on to win the game in a low total game like this give me the Patriots at a point in a teaser leg and I'll just move on hopefully I won't even have to watch this game at some point (laughs) this week One of the games that I think most people are very interested in watching this week is Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, you have the Ravens as six or six and a half point favorites. 47 is the total in this one. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase continue on, continue to look really, really sharp on the offensive side of the ball. The Ravens really, really getting it done on the offensive side of the ball, despite the fact that they aren't running as much as they used to and certainly not running as efficiently as they used to, but Lamar Jackson getting it done with his arm so far. Brad, I know you have a play on this game, so I'll start with you. We do have the the surging Cincinnati Bengals on the road heading to Baltimore as six, six and a half point dogs. Yeah, I'm still of the belief that the Bengals are a bit of a bit of a fraud, bit of, um, you know, a, a product of their schedule more than anything else. They, they've had one of the easiest schedules in the league. Um, and I think that's pumping up their defense, particularly like you look at the, you look at the numbers, you know, fifth in defensive DVOA, um, fifth in PFF defense. And they've got some good pieces, but I just don't think they've really faced anyone to properly take it to them yet. Um, and Lamar and his, his, his current form is, in some ways, unstoppable, right? Because at the, at the minute defences are playing him to force him to pass, he's now proved that he can do that. So the Chargers come out last week and say, well, you know, we, we like to stop the pass, make you run. And so they just run all day on you. So it, 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 I think it's, it's I, I don't really see the, the Bengals slowing them down too much. Um, and then, you know, another key part of this is a coaching mismatch, right? They, these guys have played four times since um, Zach Taylor got to town and the Ravens have won by 25 points on average. Um, You know, they're they're obviously better this year, but I still think there's some fundamental problems like the the defense is How dare you bring up pre-Burrow statistics on this show? You bring it up pre-Burrow statistics on this program. I will not stand for it around here, Brad Allen. There'll be no pre-Burrow statistics on this, on this podcast, my friend. Here's what I think on offense is that they've not faced they've not faced a proper a proper defense either. They've had one of the easiest schedules on offense as well. They've not faced a scary pass rush, right? Like they've had the Lions, the Packers, um, who else they played? The Jags, maybe. They they played a bunch of jokers. Um yeah. and you know, the, the Lions look better, but they they've not played anyone like this Baltimore defense, which is, you know, 
showing blitz from everywhere, sending random people rushing, and who have the defensive backs to match up somewhat to the Bengals, or you know, as well as anyone can. So, I, I think you've got one legitimate kind of Super Bowl team and one eight and eight, nine and eight team. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think the Ravens probably probably get this done. Stephen, um, if we take a look here, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers would argue that the that the uh, Bengals haven't played a defense so far this year. I think the Bears have a pretty decent defense as well, so I, I think that they've have been tested a little bit more, maybe than we would, uh, maybe than we give them credit for in this thing. But Baltimore with uh, with Lamar Jackson, I would say, yeah. Sorry, I would, I would say a against the Bears they they got beat by ten points, um, and then against the Steelers that was the game where JJ Watt went out. I think Devin Bush went out that game. They were, they were missing like the line opened six, and the injuries were so bad that it was down to two and a half, and I think that was all injury related. So you know, I would argue they they didn't really face the Steelers defense that day. Yeah, 2017 against the Bears, a three-point loss. Um, so, uh, Stephen, we do look here um, as as far as as far as Lamar Jackson. I mean, his 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 progression as a passer. I mean, it's it's undeniable. I mean, the guy is staying in the pocket. He is now. If you give him running lanes, he is taking them. But what he is not doing is at the very first sign of something bad going on. If his first read is covered, he's not looking to then just immediately pull the ball down and take off. He's staying in the pocket a little bit longer. He's delivering really good pocket passes right now, specifically deep balls as well, where he has struggled so much with accuracy. I don't think anybody can can take anything away from what Lamar Jackson has done so far. Um, I guess the real question here is, is do you believe this Bengals team is a mirage? Because that's really what it comes down to here is this is more of a do you believe or do you not believe game? Do you believe in the offense that has been able to look pretty good so far? Do you believe in the defense that has looked much improved so far? Or do you think that this is the po- this is the point where they get absolutely exposed by uh, this Ravens squad? Let me put it this way. I'm honestly not taking a ton away from that Ravens blowout against the Chargers last week. I think the Chargers basically handed them that game. I mean, the Ravens had less than five yards per play on offense. They had a couple of turnovers. So that game was handed to them. And they needed a miracle comeback to beat the Colts the week before. So statistically, yeah, I I do believe in Lamar Jackson. I can't knock him. And it's just, it's strange to see the Ravens doing it in a way that is completely different than what we've seen in the past couple of years. And do we think this is sustainable? Because, you know, the numbers are fantastic. They are number one in the league in early down success rate, number three in early down EPA, pass block win rate, top five. So they've... They've become a more balanced offense. They're number two in explosive plays. The question, again, to go back to what you posed, is is Cincinnati for real or not? And I think the answer likely is somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, I don't think they're complete frauds, but I'm not ready to crown them as one of the top 10 teams in the league. So that brings us back to the question of, is is the line appropriate? And we've been sitting at six and a half here for almost 10 days now. The look ahead was six and a half. The line has sat there. It has not moved. The market agrees with the numbers. So I'm not going to be the one to say that the line is wrong. I think it's a fair line. I think it's where it's supposed to be. So this, you know, it was hard for me to have a strong stance on either side here. So I have to pass. I I have to pass on that number. 
Uh, one thing I do want to bring up about this game, uh, by the way, if y'all didn't get it from from uh, from Brad, he is on the uh, Ravens here as six point favorites. Again, this thing has toggled back and forth a little bit between six and six and a half. So I think you can hold out and find a six at some point here uh, along the way. One thing I do want to bring up here, guys, and just uh, and just talk about with this game is listen. So you've got Lamar Jackson, one of the MVP favorites out there. Uh, We mentioned him at 25 to one all the way down to kind of that 12 ish to one. So it's half of what you were getting. That said, if he goes out and destroys a a Bengals team that has looked pretty good, I think that people do have at least a little bit of respect for that 12 to one is going to be gone forever. I also on the flip side here, Joe Burrow's 100 to one right now to win the MVP. (laughs) <laughs> if he were if they were to go out and they were to destroy or even just wins handily against this Ravens team on the road, that hundred to one is gone forever. And the reason I the only reason I even bring this up is I want you to you guys to look and think about some of these guys that are listed uh, with shorter odds than Joe Burrow for. MVP right now and realize why I think that at least maybe putting just a small little sliver in your pocket at a hundred to one, but you've got Teddy Bridgewater is shorter odds. Kirk cousins is shorter odds. Derek Carr is shorter odds, not to mention a whole bunch of running backs and wide receivers with shorter odds, you know, listed right now with the same odds as him, Alvin Kamara, Debo Samuel, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, who hadn't played a game yet for the New Orleans Saints is listed at the same odds as Joe Burrow is for MVP this year. He is only a couple of touchdowns behind the league leaders. He is only a couple hundred yards behind the league leaders as well. And I think a big statement win this week on the road could really change the perception and really, really shake up that market a lot. So just something to think about if you wanted to put a long shot that there's an actual path to it getting there, because if he brings this big, if he, if he takes this Bengals team to the playoffs or, or even better, they actually contend for the division or something like that. Um, this is going to be a, this, this, it, it might be his award. It might be him and Tom Brady heads up for, for the award. Here's what I would say though, Matt, uh, I would treat it like a stock in this case. And I, if I'm going to lock in that bet, I would do it at an online sports book where they're pretty liberal with your cash out options on things like this. So that even if he's not going to win it, and which is obviously the most likely scenario, then his odds shorten enough in the next couple of months here where you might actually get a decent cash out option on him so that, you know, th- that's the world we live in now, right? Sports books are allowing that. And, and obviously the price is wrong on him. I'm not sure he has a, a, as a great path to winning it. I, I think I disagree with you on that, but you could t- totally treat it like a stock and, and potentially cash out here because we are absolutely agreed that that, that price is ludicrous. Well, yeah, I, more than anything, it's just playing a number here, right, Brad? That's all I'm saying is, is like if if this game goes against the Ravens and if the Bengals win, then you're never going to see 100 to one again on him at all. Actually, the odds probably cut in half at that point. So it's basically just kind of locking up a number that's probably a little bit off market when you consider the, the, the guys that are shorter than him right now. And again, it could be a one week bet because if they get blown out, then the, then the bet's absolutely worth nothing. But uh, just trying to get ahead of something that could happen if they uh, do pull the upset. All righty, Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. Now, this is a very interesting 
kind of line move here. And I'm certainly interested, Stephen, to think why you think that this happened. This thing was pushing 10 and it was teetering at nine and a half, nine and a half, nine and a half. We are now seeing seven and a halfs across the board on the Green Bay Packers. This thing has dropped two full points in the last 24 hours. We're sitting at 49 as a total here. Um, Look, if we were waiting on some injury news coming out of the Washington football team that like a couple of running, you know, that the running back or that, you know, whatever was going to play and all that. And that's moving this line to full points. I think people are going about this really, really, really wrong. I think they are going about this the wrong way for sure. I mean, if you look at the Packers injury report, it's not anything that would make you want to not play them. It would not be anything that would make you move against them on the line as well. And if anything, again, we're looking at Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel, uh, DNPing at, at practice for the, uh, for Washington. So what was behind this thing moving two, two points? I think it was the market rejecting the Packers being rated equally with the <laughs> Kansas city chiefs. I mean, that's, if you do the math on that spread, then you're looking just from a week ago, the chiefs were six and a half point favorites on the road at Washington. So seven and a half, eight points on a neutral. And if you go with the Packers as 10 point favorites at home, subtract a point, point and a half for home field, you're basically putting them on par with the Kansas City Chiefs, which um, even with the Chiefs struggles, the market has completely rejected that at this point. And I think, honestly, the Packers are a team with some upward trajectory here as the season goes on. Um, you know, our senior writer, Mo Nawara, points out that even in the games that they did not cover, that there were some fluky things that took place in those games, some special team situations, some missed field goals with the Cincinnati game. So this team does have the potential to be one of the elite teams in the NFL. But at this point, they totally rejected them uh, being on par with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, with that being said, Matt, the number has now come down into an area where I am excited to tease them. It's not the perfect teaser situation. The, the total's still a little bit high, but you're basically now asking me to if, if I'm comfortable with the Packers just winning this game at less than a, you know, with a, with a teaser line that's less than a field goal. Very comfortable with that. I mean, Taylor Heineke has been trash. The organization clearly knows that. The rumors are that there's potentially a three-team trade in the works here where Washington acquires Tua from Miami and Watson goes to um, goes to Miami. So whether you actually think that's going to happen or not before the trade deadline, I'm not really bullish on that actually happening in November. But regardless, it's clear that Washington does not believe in Taylor Heineke as a, a viable starting quarterback in this league. Combine that with the injuries to their major weapons on offense. And I think this Packers team should should win this game fairly easily. If, if you know, maybe they don't cover 10, but I think they're going to win the game. Therefore, teaser leg for me. Brad, we've got a Washington offense that is has really struggled. You were talking about this even a few weeks ago that maybe teams have started to figure out Taylor Heineke and any of that early success that he was having was just because there wasn't any tape on him and a lot of these teams didn't know exactly how to go ahead and adjust. But you were you were all over the fact that maybe that was changing. He has looked really rough here over the last few weeks. This offense down into the bottom third in pretty much all statistical categories, pretty much every one of the advanced stuff that we look at on the defensive side of the ball I think it's been a is the where the real disappointment has been here for this Washington team who everybody thought was a top five unit 
entering this season and they have any been anything but to the tune of on DVOA being down in the bottom three. If you look at their past defense, according to pro football focus, only, uh, only one team has been worse than they've been so far this year. So yeah, real big disappointment on the defensive side of the ball. But I guess my question to you in all of this is, does it worry you at all about this green Bay team that they are essentially a one-man show. I mean, we are looking at Devontae Adams right now, and this is insanity. He is getting 36.5% of the targets for this team. More Good. than one in more than one in every three passes that leaves Aaron Rodgers' hands is going towards Devontae Adams. Is there not a point that you believe? that defenses will somehow be able to scheme him out of a game. And then this Packers offense, like when you start having to rely on the corpse of Randall Cobb and, and Alan Lazard and all these things like that, that, that these, that these guys aren't going to be able to move the ball. Um, no, no one stopped it yet. And, um, given what we know about the Washington secondary, I don't think they're going to be the team to do it. I mean, that, that is really the weakness of the, of the Washington team, right? The, the, the defensive line is still, still pretty good is eighth in pass rush win rate, but they're just not getting home because they cannot cover anyone on the back end. So I think to expect them to turn around and suddenly figure out how to stop someone that no one else in the NFL has stopped for a couple of years now, I think is way too much. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, you laid it out. T- Taylor Heineke is just getting worse and worse each week as, as the league gets more tape on him. Like he, he doesn't really have an arm. He, he's a bit. He is a mini Fitzpatrick, and that he wants to uh, he wants to be aggressive and throw the ball down the field, but he just doesn't have the physical tools to do it. Um, and then you know you, you ask Stephen about these injury reports. Well, I'm, I'm surprised the money's not come back for Green Bay yet, and, and I think it will because the Washington like, both yep. tackles didn't practice. They've got their Brandon Scherf there, kind of one of their key cogs at guard. Um, all, all the weapons you mentioned, the running back Antonio Gibson, and and Green Bay relatively healthy by comparison. So I suspect this gets back up to to nine or nine and a half because. Um, I don't really see how Washington is is good or better better than Green Bay in any any part of this game. Right, Stephen, uh, you and I are simpatico on this one, my friend. As soon as this thing dropped back into teaser range, it was it, it, I, I hit it early and often. So anything <laughs> that I was looking to to pair with a teaser leg this week uh, got hit right here on this one. I mean, this is, I do not get this line movement. I don't understand why it has come against the Packers, especially when we, like we said, I mean, if anything, the, the injury report for Washington should have, should have gone ahead and pushed it to 10, should have gone ahead and pushed it to double digits, not brought it back two points the other direction. So um, the one thing I will say is there is a big, big disagreement between the rest of country sports books and what's going on in Vegas. Like there are still a lot of nines in Vegas right now as comparatively where it is seven and a half universally across the board at the rest of these books across the country. So if you are listening to this in one of those jurisdictions, be sure and take advantage of this where again, like I said, a lot of the books in Vegas are holding pad at nine right now and they did not come off of this uh, off of this kind of pushing double digits type spread right here. So th- it's one of the weird times where we do see a disagreement with the Vegas books and the rest of country books. Matt, we see reports of what they're calling head fakes in throughout yeah. NFL season where <clears throat> in the in the early week 
there's going to be money on one side and their lower limits and, and um, they're starting to move the line down because they see sharp money and then come kickoff when the limits are higher, they pound the other side of it. Do you, does this look like one of those situations considering uh, that Vegas hasn't moved the line? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's like, are they trying to get it to seven and then come back if it does actually hit seven and just destroy it if it yeah. does hit seven? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But man, it is... It is confusing to me. We shall see where it all ends up, but I, you would have to believe that this thing starts moving back the other direction. Atlanta Falcons, Miami Dolphins. Atlanta Falcons coming off of a bye. Miami Dolphins chose not to have their bye coming off of their London game. They find themselves as two-and-a-half-point home underdogs to the Atlanta Falcons in this one. And Brad, when we take a look, uh, Calvin Ridley will be back for the Falcons. You did get a bye week here to maybe try and figure some stuff out, maybe try to get a little bit more healthy. Maybe you work in some more ways to get Kyle Pitts involved in the offense as well. And then if you're on the Miami side of things, not choosing to take the bye after the London game is just perplexing to me. But um, if there is anything to feel good about being a Miami fan, it was that... This past week, at least Tua is an upgrade at court. Now, whether you believe long-term in Tua or not, he's at least an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett was getting absolutely nothing done with this offense at all. At least Tua found Gasecki a ton. He found Waddle a ton. And the Dolphins, despite losing, did have that game where they went forward on a fourth down, tried to convert so they could go ahead and win. And they were able to do that without their starting two corners as well. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were both out of that game. So, I mean, it wasn't like I think a total complete flop here for the Dolphins, but certainly a team that is right up there for me as one of the most disappointing so far through the first six weeks of the season. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I watched that game closely as uh, another London game. And then Tua came out mm-hmm. as PFF sixth graded quarterback for the week. He, uh, he wasn't a problem, you know, apart from that sort of one perpetual perplexing pick he threw he, he, he did spread it around quite well it, it, it was it was the cowardice to me of um, of the coach uh, Brian Flores there were, there were several fourth down decisions where he just you know punted away as, like like he had his full complement of defensive backs on the field and he, and he just didn't he, I thought it was terrible coaching which you know that, that's not the sort of team I want to back the ones that are punting away on fourth and two you know like the Patriots are doing at the minute um, I will say the injury report looks very good. Um, well, uh, it looks better than last week. There's, you know, there's there's hope that yeah. they get those two corners back. There's hope they get Devontae Parker back. Um, and obviously the weakness of this Dolphins offense is the offensive line and the Falcons are not really the team to take advantage of that. Um, and then you, you would probably say the line has moved enough that the value has to be on the Dolphins side if they do get those players back, right? You know, they're sort of 2.5, 2.75 underdogs at home now um so i i could only bet that side at this stage um so yeah that that would be a, that would be a way i lean but as i say i i don't want any business backing a team that makes terrible decisions like these guys do yeah it is uh steven here is another opportunity if you wanted to play a teaser leg and i i i hate to say that Maybe this is coming into consideration for me should, you know, um, the injury report go my way a little bit more. Thursday should show a lot of clarity on that. If the if if both these corners are back, I'm definitely in. Even if one of them is back, I think I'm definitely in on the Dolphins. And and I know I don't like backing a bad team either. I don't like backing a bad team with a bad coach. 
at all either. But uh, this is I think this is a little bit too aggressive of a move here. The Falcons haven't really proven anything at all. And um, to go on the road and become a field goal favorite over, I think anybody is probably a little bit too much. And now you're going to give me up to eight and a half on the Dolphins at home in this thing. Um, Giving me that, I think, is a little bit too much. So if the injury report goes my way, I can see this Dolphins leg becoming a uh, a partner in a teaser. And if this thing gets to a full field goal, I might just play the Dolphins straight. I can't believe I'm saying that either. But again, I just think there's uh, a little bit too much disrespect coming from the Dolphins side of things and a little bit too much respect on the Falcons side. This line's flipped five points, guys. The look ahead was five points the other way. The Dolphins were minus two and a half. It's gone five points. I mean, that's a lot in, in one week. I know they lost to the Jags, but everything you guys said, why did that happen? Lost their cornerbacks in that game. Number two receiver, Devontae Parker, didn't play. So Tua looked pretty good. Bad decision making. So I get that you combine the the questionable decision to not take a bye after the London trip and you're playing a team that is coming off a bye. So that's not good as well. But I still think five is pretty darn aggressive. And I'm happy to take this as a teaser leg with a low total in the game under 50. And I agree with you, Matt. It looks like we might get a three here, a plus three on Miami. As we record this, we're looking at some... Falcons minus two and a half with some extra juice at a couple of spots. I think this is starting to move towards that three. And if I get a flat three on the Dolphins, I'm I'm going to take that because I think that there were some issues last week. Most notably for me is the cornerbacks. And if they're back in, I'm happy to take that because, I mean, it's not like they're, they're facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. This is the Atlanta Falcons who have been a pretty conservative offense. They're not taking many deep shots. They are 30th in explosive plays. So it's been a lot of dink and dunk stuff. Their offensive line is still 24th in pressure allowed, 25th in pass block win rate. We know that the Dolphins are going to blitz and throw some exotic looks out there Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's not exactly like they're playing world beaters here they're still playing one of the the worst teams in the league at least you know conservatively a bottom 10 offense and if you wanted to roll the dice that these corners aren't going to play um kyle pitts receiving yards right now is set at 49 and a half so if you did want to roll the dice from a player prop perspective, uh, I mean, look, they're lining him up out wide. They're lining him up in the slot. Yeah. Like he's he's tight end by by name only. Right. I mean, he's he's a he's a, he's a wide receiver. He's a big wide receiver. So, um, again, it's it's set at forty nine and a half yards right now. If you want to roll the dice that those corners don't play and he's going to get backup corners uh, already getting involved in this offense a lot more for this Falcons team, uh, I would be hammering the over there. Um Unfortunately, the player props don't get posted here in Vegas uh, this early in the week, so I don't get the advantage of these numbers before they get uh, hammered into shape. But if you do live in a market where that is available, it's a number that I'd have in the account anyway. And here's the deal. Even if the corners do play, I still think you have a chance of hitting it. So um, it's not like the bet's dead if it doesn't go your way there. Panthers and the Giants. The Panthers are three-point road favorites over the New York football Giants, 43-43 and a half in this one. Steven, I'm going to go to you because you have decided to back the New York football Giants. 
Yeah, but with the extra points because I need a <laughs> teaser here. I'm not that I'm not crazy enough after that beat down against the Rams to have the the guts here to to back the Giants as less than a field goal underdog. So give me the points here. Uh you can get an eight and a half or nine. And the logic here to me is that Honestly, it comes down to that I'm getting more than a touchdown in a game where I think I have the better quarterback. Daniel Jones, to me, has been solid last week aside against the the Rams, who could just give him all kinds of pressure up the middle there with Aaron Donald and company in a, in a depleted Giants offensive line. But for the most part this year against against teams that are closer to what the Giants skill level is. He's looked pretty good. He's been a pretty darn good quarterback. He's been one of the top 10 quarterbacks by PFF. Um, so, so I like getting more than a touchdown here in a teaser leg in a game with a lower total. I think this is a pretty darn low total actually. And, checking my notes here but i think we're you know under 47 here for this yeah total. no it's it's 42 and a half 43 yeah, yeah i mean that's crazy low so that's it's, it's a great situation to, to buy points here on, an, on a home underdog and sam darnold in this offense has been pretty rough guys i mean 25th in offensive dvoa 27th in pff offensive grade the offensive line 29th in pressure allowed so listen the giants defense is not great but we don't need much here right it's a very low total game we need him to cover you know nine or eight and a half depending on what number you get and we're playing a, a quarterback in an offense that has looked to have been exposed after playing very weak competition to start the year Brad, we're looking at this injury report here, and I get, I know it's earlier in the week, but you look at the Giants, and again, they're just going to be battling, you know, attrition here. We is Saquon Barkley's not going to play. We know that. You got Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Aziz Ojolari, John Ross, Darius, uh, all of those guys were DNPs. Darius Slayton, a limited practice as well so it's basically us trying to guess who's going to be out there on the field for the Giants uh, on the Panther side of things much better on the injury report side of things outside of the fact that they did have to move Christian McCaffrey fully over to IR because he wasn't able to get back it does look like they're gonna get CJ Henderson the cornerback um, back this week after missing last week he was a full participant on Wednesday so um, do you think the Panthers who started off super hot and really came back down to earth do you think that they are a field goal road favorite over this version of the Giants? Uh, maybe, maybe they could be. I see one <laughs> glaring mismatch, which is the Panthers pass rush, number one in the NFL in pass rush win rate mm -hmm. against the Giants offensive line, 27th in pass block win rate, and now missing their left tackle, Andrew Thomas, who was the only good player on that line, basically. So... I, you know, we 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 know Dimes is prone to coughing up fumbles and and strip sacks and all that kind of thing. He kind of kept it in check for the first few weeks of the season, but then last two weeks it's caught up with him. Um, and I could see more of the same. I can see him being under constant duress here, especially as you just said, he, he's going to be missing a lot of offensive weapons here. It's probably going to be Sterling Shepard and Evan Engram. And you know, she Shepard's mm -hmm. good, but Engram is not. So he's he's really got one good out instead of four or whatever. So. I can see that being a mismatch. On the other side of the ball, I kind of do think we get a bounce back from Darnold. Like, I, I do think the Giants' defence, A, there's no pass rush, which is, again, that's the key with the Panthers because they've got no pass blocking. So, 
you know you can shut them down with a good pass rush, but the Giants don't have that. And if Darnold does have time, he does he does have good weapons in, in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Um, so I'm not involved, but if I was forced to play, I would probably try and get a Panthers minus two and a half. Yeah, I might yes. actually middle this. I might actually try and middle this, guys, because I can't. I I agree with everything you guys said. I just thought you know getting through the seven on a teaser leg is valuable in a in a total this low. But I can't disagree with anything you just said, Brad, because there are issues here with the Giants to in in terms of the context of trying to win this game. Yeah, you guys know know me. I love my teasers as well, but I I, I just can't make the Giants one this week. Um, I I think that there is a chance that. Certainly, if this injury report continues to go against them even worse, that they they I think there's a weird chance they could get boat raced in this thing. And so I, I can't go there. I also will be looking for a two and a half on the Panthers. If I can find that, I think I would come in on that side and feel uh, feel pretty good about it. I know people just want to like continue to no matter what, continue shit on Sam Darnold no matter what. And like, look, the guy is never going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, probably never going to be one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. But you can be a serviceable quarterback and win games in the NFL. We've seen it happen before, especially if you have the weapons that he's got. So I'm not just so quick to think that uh that, that it's because Sam Darnold that they can't win this game. So I, uh, I, I also, too, might be looking for a two and a half, try to get a Panthers ticket. Matt, you, you know what this game kind of feels like? This game kind of feels like Bengals at Detroit a week ago where you had a clearly better side in terms of the matchups on both sides and a short road favorite against a team that had a ton of issues. The, the difference is the Giants have a better quarterback, but mm-hmm. the rest of this Giants depth chart is just a complete mess. Yeah, no, good point. Good point right there for sure. Eagles on the road at the Raiders. Their Eagles heading to the desert out here. Three point favorites are the Raiders. Of course, they did the whole rally around the coach getting fired thing this past week. No, not really. I don't believe in any of that garbage. Uh, But they win this past week after John Gruden gets sent on his way. 49, 49 and a half is our total as we look at this one. Um, Steven, I'll start with you. Eagles have looked um, pretty bad. I mean, let's just be honest. The, the, uh, Jalen Hurts has not really been able to translate any of his physical ability into production on the field, really, so far. And I don't really know why. There are people to throw to. There, it's not like the it's not like the offensive line has been completely terrible. They get back Lane Johnson this week, even so, you know, if anything, it should get better for, for them, but it's just not really translated production on the field so far. And at least the, at least the, the Vegas defense has been okay, has been adequate over the course of the season as well. Is this the spot they finally exploit a team? Or do you think that we see more of this kind of Eagles with us baffled as to why they can't move the ball? This team, man, I it's it's funny, right? Because we, we live in like this fantasy football world now where you have a, a segment of the the analysts and the fan base that love Jalen Hurts because he's putting up 20 plus fantasy points a game. But in terms of real football, it's all been garbage time. It's it's been second half situation. This is back to back weeks now where they have kind of fallen into 
a, a, a result that is better than the market expectation. First, the win at the Panthers, which was a total product of the defense forcing turnovers and Sam Darnold making bonehead mistakes. And they, they win that game by three, despite a pitiful offensive performance. And then they have this miracle backdoor cover against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where Sirianni goes for two down 14 and they get inside the six and a half number. That was a brutal beat for those that were back in the Bucks in that game. So, uh, it's all been garbage time. It's all been comeback mode. They they haven't put together a solid game here. And I don't believe in this Philly offense. I had a lot of hopes for them coming into the season. And hey, maybe they turn on the switch here after they get to their bye week and kind of reassess everything and 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 get things together. But they're facing a, a Vegas defense here that's pretty darn good. I mean, I'm not sure I'm as high on this Raiders on this Raiders defense as PFF is. They have them mm-hmm. number three overall and number two in pass defense. I'm not that high on them. I mean, I'm more closer probably to the DVOA numbers here that has them 15th. But yeah, I think there there's major red flags with this Eagles offense, despite back-to-back games where they beat market expectations kind of miraculously. Yeah, Brad, I mean, it just kind of inexplicably last week, don't let that box score. I mean, like, don't let the final score fool you in the 28-22 in that Bucks. Bucks absolutely dominated that game and it, it wasn't it wasn't as close. And you look and and the Bucks have no corners and inexplicably your number one draft pick in Devontae Smith has four targets in the game. And I, I just, it, this coaching staff continues where it's like, okay, the one weakness should be the secondary where the bucks are thin and you can't run on them anyway. So you have to throw the ball and you spend a first round pick on Devonte Smith and you don't even try to utilize. I, I just, I don't know where this team lies. I don't know what's going on here. It's, it's not a team I feel very comfortable backing at this point. So uh, no play for me as we sit right now. If someone forced me to play, I'd probably be on the Raiders side. Uh, yeah, I mean, they had six straight three and outs in that game, I think, with a, with an interception thrown in there. Like, they're, they're just not... I, I think it's a badly designed offense, as you say. Mm-hmm. I, don't think I agree. I don't think they're... You know, you've got a good mobile quarterback, but they're not running, like, play action and options and read options and all that sort of thing. It seems to be more like drop-back passing, and it's, it's just not working for him. He threw for 100 yards against the Bucks, didn't he? So, I don't know. They're, they're a little bit broken. Um, now, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a play on the game. I wanted to be... Eagles side um, because mm. they get they get Lane Johnson back this week they can push Jordan Mylata back to the left side and I think you suddenly got a very good offensive line and I think that's the way to beat this Raiders defense which has a good pass rush and I don't think it has a good secondary PFF does but so mm-hmm. so so I thought they should be able to move the ball if they can give Hurts time but then I thought Hurts is quite bad at the minute or the offense is quite bad um, and then he's, you know are the Raiders good now without Gruden because uh, you might have seen this uh, Josh Jacob's quote, he was saying how relaxed the sideline felt, how when when they made a mistake, there was no like shouting, there was no recriminations. It was right, next play. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said it was just a much more relaxed atmosphere. And you know, it sounds positive to me. They they tripled their play action rate. They threw the ball nearly 70% of the time in situation neutral, in neutral situations. So I don't know, there were, there were some sharp things happening there. And um, generally, I, I, you know, the Raiders stats look bad this year on offense, I think early down success rate 25th. So they would be a team we want to get against, but maybe, maybe they're better without Gruden. Uh, I, I guess we'll try and find out this week. Yep, this is uh, this is a, an informational game, I think, for me. Uh, like you said, one, figure out what this Raiders team is all about here in week two. 
with the coach and play caller being gone. And then also can this Eagles team take advantage of a situation where, yeah, you're you're now getting back and should be one of the better offensive lines that you have. I mean, can you figure out how to utilize them? Can you figure out how to best put Jalen Hurts in a situation to succeed? And so far, I think that this team has not done that at all. Detroit Lions at the Los Angeles Rams. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on this one. The Rams are 15 and a half point favorites. The Lions are absolutely atrocious. Your total is 50 and a half or 51 in this one. Um, Brad, I mean, look, it's um, look, the Rams are going to win. That's for sure. It's just do they keep their foot on the gas? We actually saw them keep their foot on the gas this past week, which was a little bit out of Sean McVay's norm. He typically has been the coast to victory guy, but maybe he just has looked around and said, all right, you know what? I need to continue to to run plays and run this offense and not let these guys get into lull and whatnot. So maybe that is the new philosophy for him. It's not who I think it's not for me to ask you who you think is going to win the game or anything like that. Whatever. It's it's does the total seem appropriate and can the Lions some way, shape or form keep this thing within two touchdowns? Um, probably not. I don't think. I mean, we've spoken the last two weeks now how the Lions have just got nothing left on offense. The, the offensive line was the only thing they could hang their hat on. That's getting worse with through injuries and you know center Frank Ragnow's out. So you've got backup center against Aaron Donald. Um, we know how that's going to go for you. You've got zero receiving weapons. So you know, I think ten points again. What well, they, they scored ten against the Bengals last week. I think if they get to ten again, they'll probably have done well this week. And then offensively. <laughs> there's there is there is no stat which suggests anything other than an absolute whitewash. Like you've got the, you've got the best offense, best passing offense by EPA in the Rams against the worst passing defense in EPA in the Lions. Um, so I, I do think they can name their score. Like this is, I think this is as big mm-hmm. a mismatch as you'll ever see on an NFL field. Um, yeah. So I, I would only lay the fourteen and a half rather than take the points. Steven, not to mention that now Jared Goff is returning to L.A. where he is likely to wet the bed, as we know, like just <laughs> under the pre- under the pressure of having to return and face the, his old team and his old coach and, the you know, seeing the guys on the sideline that that he used to to share a locker room with and all that. And and by the way, Brad, um, Kaderil Hodge and Khalif Raymond have a word to say with you saying that they have no receivers for the Lions. All right. Um, You know, uh, Khalif Raymond and Kaderil Kaderil Hodge, who are going to be the starting wideouts for the Lions this week uh, against uh, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and company. So where'd you even put Ramsey? Uh, What what do you do with Ramsey? (laughs) Give him a rest. On Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Yeah. You put him on Hawkinson. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Seriously. You just put him on the tight end. at that point. Um, Steven, so again, same question. Is, d- does the total at 50, 50, 51, 50 and a half-ish seem appropriate? And do you th- see any way in the whole world the Lions keep this thing within two touchdowns? The only bet I would consider here in, is the under, just on the potential that the Lions may not even get to 17 points in this game. And in that scenario, I could see the Rams just running the ball and getting the hell out of here. So, um, you know, if the question to me, if you want to bet this over is, do you think the Rams can get to 40 points? And I'm not sure that this is a game where they really care to get to 40 points. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, that that would be the only play for me. But yeah, I mean, Jared Goff's going to have guys in his face all day. And I don't know. They even lost, lost Quintez Cephas, a guy that he was relying on at receiver. So you, you can look at some of the stats here for the Lions and see, yeah, well, they have a pretty good rush defense. And, uh, you know, they put up fights here. And that, But all of that was based on a different roster. And this, this, the cupboard is bare at this point. Mm-hmm. So there's no way you can handicap this team the same way as we did when we really enjoyed the fight that they had early in the season. Guys, right now, the team total, the Lions team total at DraftKings is 17 and a half. <laughs> nope. Oh, we can go nope. lower. We haven't got there yet. That's yeah. true. A little lower, guys. That's way too high. Yeah. That is what I mean. 17 and a half. And it's not all that juiced either. The under is only minus 125. Like it would shock me if they got over, if they got 18, over 18 or more points in this game. Like, because I also think Sean McVay, there's a little bit of prick to him. Who like wants to like just, you know, like absolutely embarrass Jared Goff, like get him benched during the game or something or whatever, you know, like get him, you know, have it to where he's on the sideline watching the end of the game. Like, I don't know, 17 and a half team total for me. That would be an underplay all all, all day long on this Lions squad. No doubt about that. Chicago Bears at the Tampa Bay Bucks. We do have a play in this one. Our friend Brad Allen is on a side in this one. We are sitting right now 12, 12 and a half in favor of the Tampa Bay Bucks at home. Chicago Bears travel on the road in a game with a total of 47. Much like Jalen Hurts, um, same thing kind of really here with Justin Fields early on in his career. I don't know if they're putting him in the best opportunities to succeed. And the situation that they are putting him in is certainly not working out. I mean, Allen Robinson has been non-existent the entire season. I mean, one of the consensus top 10 wide receivers in all the NFL is persona non grata in this offense. And they're not scheming ways to just get the ball in his hands. They're not just trying to force the ball his direction. And with all that, this offense is really, really sputtered up and down the field here, Brad. Uh, I know you're on this game and and you think the Bucks are going to be able to cover this big number. Yeah, to me, this feels a bit like the Browns game for Justin Fields where they just could not block the Browns and what are they? They got one net yard <coughs> passing, right? So they, 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 that, was the, that was his first game. They came out and they tried to throw it around a little bit. It didn't work. So they faced the Lions next week. Zero pass rush, like dead last pass rush in the NFL. They, met, they got ahead. They ran the ball like 57% of the time. They did some play action. It looked good. Went, went into the Raiders. Um where you know they put up twenty points, so sort of goodish. Again, I, I don't know if the Raiders were distracted that week because of the Gruden stuff, but a bit of a weird game. And then Packers last week again, no pass rush, no 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 Zadarius Smith, no Jair Alexander at corner. They they scored fourteen points, and again, I, I just think he holds on. To, he holds on to the ball for too long. Like he holds on to the ball for three seconds. So to try and help him, they they want to run the ball fifty seven percent run over the last month um, and then they want to run play action well you, you can't run the ball against the Bucks, and if you get shredded by the Bucks on defense then you the play action game is going to be a lot less effective if, if they just know you're dropping back because you're down 14 points um, and then you've got so Brandon Thorne uh, offensive defensive line expert he ranks the Bucks the best D-line D in the NFL he's got the Bears offensive line 27th in the NFL so to me you, you're going to have fields dropping back 30 times with a deficit here um, behind a bad offensive mm-hmm. line, holding onto the ball way too long. And I think he's going to get murdered. 
Um, and then uh, just, you know, so do the Bucks want to score 30 to make sure they cover here? Well, they, they were talking about it last week after the game. Um, you know, we, we were embarrassed last year on that Thursday night football game where they, Brady was going four downs. I think that they lost the game by three or so. Um, so so they, they do remember that. I think they are focused on, on winning this game. Um, and yeah, as I say, I, I think the Bears are scoring 10 points and I think the Bucks are scoring 30 plus. So uh, I'm happy to lay 12 and a half. Of note, and again, this could change throughout the course of the week, so be sure and take a look. But um, we do have Akeem Hicks still DNPing for the Bears. We do have uh, Khalil Mack DNPing for the Bears. And so just stuff to, to kind of keep an eye on with that as well. Uh, Steven, yet another one. I mean, you and I talked about at least a few of these games on the Survivor video that we did. So if you're watching yeah. this on YouTube, just go back and take a look. More thoughts, kind of how we would play Survivor this week with some of these big spread games and whether we would go in that direction or not. Um, but as far as 12, 12 and a half right now, I'm 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 with Brad. I mean, it's I'm laying it or I'm passing on this thing. It, the Bucks could as long as they want to keep their foot on the gas, they can. Uh, they can hit you so many multiple different ways. Um, it would be the Bucks or pass for me. Yeah, I mean, what's the way that you could keep it close against Tampa Bay? It's it's trying to beat this secondary. And I'm not of the mindset that Justin Fields is the quarterback and Matt Nagy is the coach to be able to take advantage of that. So I have zero interest in, in backing the Chicago Bears in this type of a matchup at this point. And it would be bucks or pass for me as well. Yeah, I just I just can't get there. And again, I just it's it's mind boggling to me that your leading receiver for this Bucks team is Darnell Mooney and it's not Allen Robinson. I, I mean, I, I, they, they are just it's it's like malpractice what's going on with this team. I mean, Allen Robinson has 21 targets on the season. I mean, I mean, 21 receptions on the season. 21 receptions on the season yeah, for I Allen mean, Robinson. And that, I mean, that's like a, that's a game for Devonte Adams, like Devonte Adams getting 20, 30 catches a game, you know, as we're talking about. <laughs> and this guy's got 21 catches on the entire season right now. It's, it's just absolute malpractice. Uh, no way I can back the bears in any way, shape or form. Let's talk about another team. You can't really back in any way, shape or form. Houston Texans on the road at the Arizona Are you Cardinals. Sure? Are you sure yeah. about that? Oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. We are at, 17 and a half right now on this one. The Cardinals 17 and a half point home favorites. 47 and a half is your total. Steven, I'll start with you. You seem like you might want to try to back the Texans here. All right. Just hear me out here. Okay. The look ahead line here was 14 and a half. We're up to I 17. I don't care. Okay. Keep I know going. You, don't. you said, you said, hear me out. <laughs> keep going. Let's go. All right. I don't care. Keep I mean, going. Listen, All our, right. the last, the last time that we had an undefeated team through seven weeks be favored by 14 plus points was the 16 and 0 Patriots in, in 2007. Are we going to put Cliff Kingsbury's bunch in that category. So I, I will say this is one of our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich's best bets this week. And it has it. You have to take a leap of faith. I will concede that. 
But let's look at what Arizona has done offensively here in recent weeks, despite not losing yet. And they have been outgained in yards per play in back-to-back weeks. 5.3 to 5.1 against the Browns, 5.7 to 5.1 against the 49ers. League average is 5.8. So they've been below average now in back-to-back weeks. And maybe there's a chance that the Texans can run the ball a little bit here and, and shorten this game and keep us within two touchdowns and a field goal because Arizona's defense is 31st in run-stop win rate. They're 30th in P. EFF rush D grade 28th and early down success rate on D. So now generally when I mention bad stats for one side of the ball on this podcast, I will counter it with good stats for the other side. I can't do that. The Texans suck at everything. All right. I admit that the Texans can't do a damn thing. They suck at everything, but they just released their only good player as well. And Whitney Marshall they're a mess. So this is, this is a question of whether or not you think, this team, the Arizona Cardinals, is deserving to be this big of a favorite. Again, the first time a team at this point in the season has been this big of a favorite since the unbeaten Patriots in 2007. So I'm going to take the points, plug my nose, hope for the best, and hope we get a slow game here and and the Cardinals just continue to uh, to just try and get out of here with a win. Yeah. I, I I have to admit, I, I mean, I'm I'm busting your balls here, but I have to admit, I would probably take. I mean, it got up to 18 and a half here in Vegas, right? I mean, like it, it's and it's still sitting 18 and a half at a couple of spots. I mean, we've had back to back, we've had back to back weeks, Matt, where the books have just gotten crushed by public wins. Yeah. So I think we're starting to see these these favorites get ballooned up and ballooned up, and trying to find a number that's going to make one people want to bet the other side. Yeah. I mean. I, I, if you're going to give me 18 and a half points, it's still an NFL game. And again, there's motivation for the Cardinals to just get up and then coast. Like you, you don't want to get injured in this. You are, you're, you have Super Bowl aspirations at this point. If you go seven and oh, you're making the playoffs for sure. I mean, like you, 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 you can coast down the rest of the season. And you're still going to make the playoffs. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of motivation for the Cardinals to take their foot off the gas in this one as well. And again, like I, like I said, it's, it's as high as 18 and a half in Vegas. I think, I think you have to just take, 18 and a half points Colts at the 49ers. The 49ers are four, four and a half point favorites. The Colts uh, heading into town 44 and a half. Here is your total Colts coming off a big win that they should have had a big win in a game against. And then you're getting 49ers coming off of the bye. The big news here is that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo practicing for the 49ers. Looks like it's going to be him. Trey Lance still not practicing, so it's not going to be him for sure. If you were wondering, there is not a third quarterback listed for the 49ers on their depth chart, so you kind of have to head to the practice squad if you want to uh, if you want to kind of see what would happen if there was a, a major setback with with Jimmy Garoppolo and all of that, but uh, four point favorites, four and a half point favorites, depending on where you look, 44 and a half, your total here. Um, Brad, so let's just assume Jimmy G going up against a Colts team that, you know, look, went out and has looked at least a little bit better over the last couple of weeks. Now, that being said, pretty big hit to them. One of their uh, Paris Campbell goes to the IR. It looks like T.Y. Hilton is not practicing for them either. So that guy just can't stay healthy. So it's so even though they were getting some people back, there's there's more people that are leaving as well. 
Yes, um, it does. It does look like Quinton Nelson. He was back at practice this week, so that that would be mm. pretty huge for them against a, a good Niners D line. Um, in general, I I think the Colts are a team on the up. Um, like if, if you just go, if, if you've got a PFF subscription and you go look at Carson Wentz's offensive grade, is he's gradually improving every week of the season. Basically, um, there was a good article this week on for the win, um, talking about some of his mechanics and how he's kind of cleaned up his footwork throughout the season um, and it, do, it does seem to be showing up in the stats you know last two weeks obviously they pushed the Ravens close probably should have won that game and then just smashed up the Texans last week so I think this is generally you know Frank Wright he's, he's a good offensive mind the quarterback seems to be improving after missing all of training camp and all that kind of thing um, but I'm not sure this is the spot either because Shanahan off a bye he's, he's going to have a couple of weeks to cook up all sorts in his walk um, Jimmy Jimmy G is definitely an upgrade over Lance at this point I think um, and they've got they've got one cornerback back the um, the Niners K1 Williams and obviously this defensive line against the Colts offensive line is still a bit of a mismatch um, mm. so yeah I think you know I'm kind of hoping the Colts lose bad and uh, we get a chance to back them next week perhaps Stephen, if you were wondering, Nate Sudfeld is the quarterback that is on the practice squad for the 49ers. So should there be a setback for Jimmy G at any point this week, uh, Nate Sudfeld would be your guy going for the the Niners here. That being said, if we if we enter this game, assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback, I understand. Listen, I've been you guys know I've been as down on this 49ers team as as anybody. And even with Kittle being on IR Getting one of the corners back, at least, is a pretty big thing. Jimmy Garoppolo getting a couple of weeks to get ready and get right and and make sure that he's he's the, you know, uh, at least fairly healthy entering this thing, a full weapon, uh, a full complement of weapons at the wide receiver position and stuff. And then again, they are beat up on the Colts side of things. I mean, it's not to be just passed over that, you know, again, off the tackle, Braden Smith didn't practice again. We're still looking at some of these at T.Y. Hilton did not practice. Quiddy Pay did not practice. There's a lot of guys here. Rocky Sin did not practice. So a lot of guys that, that could be out on the Colts side of the ball as well. They also lost their starting safety, Justin Blackman, in practice to an Achilles injury on Wednesday. So another big blow to the defense for them. So, hey, by the way, fun fact, I covered Nate Sudfeld college games in Indiana (laughs) when I was a local sports reporter. It was about as riveting as you would expect. So, yeah, don't upgrade anything if Nate Sudfeld has to take a football field in the NFL. Uh, But, yeah, the... The 49ers, to me, if this is a normal situation, right, if if both teams were on equal rest, I'd I'd be kind of curious to back the Colts here Mm -hmm. at more than a field goal, considering the arrow has been generally pointing up for them in recent weeks. And I think context matters where we had warned everybody coming into the season how difficult their schedule was through the first six weeks. I think it was something like only the third team in history that had to play their first five games against teams who had 10 plus wins the year before so that we knew that it was going to be tough sledding for the Colts early on I'm just not sure it gets any easier this week against the 49ers who are generally a pretty well-prepared football team coming in Mm -hmm. now if if they didn't lose all of these guys and Quentin Nelson's a huge upgrade for them but is it a net zero with all the other guys they've now lost and are banged up after last week so um, it's it's hard for me I, I was 
leaning a little bit towards the Colts in this game, but I think they're going to be a better buy low spot here maybe in, in the next week or two. Monday Night Football, the Saints and the Seahawks. The Saints head on the road as four-and-a-half-point favorites to the Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks. 42-and-a-half is your total. Absolutely, incredibly low. Uh, A bunch of low totals this week in the NFL. Brad, start with you on this one. Jameis Winston on the road in Seattle in primetime, entering as a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. How does that sit with you on the inside? <laughs> um, well, I think it's a reflection of uh, Sean Payton off a bye and this this Saints mm-hmm. defense rather than old flamous Jameis. Um, <laughs> I, no, again, no, no bet for me. I initially wanted to be on the Seahawks side because you know I said last week I wondered if Gino was underrated. I thought he played okay against the Steelers. You know, good enough to cover, obviously. Um, but but yeah, as I say, you know, Saints off a buy, road favourites off a buy have historically been quite profitable. I guess you know it's it's a focus on on that one specific game, um, and then also you got the West Coast team playing at home at a night game, which is you know kind of profitable that side of it. So yeah, I, I didn't really know what to do with it in the end. Yeah, I don't have a play on this one either, Stephen. I will say, if anything, I feel like I want to play the Seahawks, as gross as that sounds. But, um, you know, I think there is, I, I think, you know, there's at least a little bit to Jameis having to head on the road in prime time on a Monday night in what, who knows what weather they'll be up there in Seattle. And, you know, at least if there is, we know home field advantage is diminishing if there is any sort of home field advantage, Seattle still has at least a little bit of one. So um, what is your, uh, what, what are you thinking about this one? Well, just interesting to me that they were five and a half point road dogs at Pittsburgh last week. Now four and a half point home dogs to new Orleans. So I guess, you know, you can make an argument there depending on how you rate the saints versus the Steelers at this point in the season. But I mean, this number's floating in no man's land. Weird things can happen when you have a backup quarterback in there. So, yeah, just just no interest for me in this one whatsoever. Yeah, we'll have further analysis on this one as the game gets closer. So be sure and watch the channel here, guys. We'll be all over this game again. Lean towards Seattle as we sit right now, but uh, no play for me. Brad is on the Chiefs team total over Baltimore minus six and the Bucks minus 12 and a half. Steven has teaser legs with the Giants Packers. Dolphins and Patriots involved, and he is also on the Houston Texans. Let's go. Let's go, Texans. and a half. Yes, he is going to go that route. Uh, if you want to follow Brad on the Twitter machine, at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow Steven at Steven Anderson. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. Guys, thanks for watching, and good luck here in NFL Week number seven. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 